you think about the black mamba, what's the first thing you think about? For some, they think about a snake that does not need no provocation to strike. For me, I think about the player, the assassin, the cerebral assassin, as I like to call him, Kobe Bean Bryant. Through the ups and downs, the obstacles, trials and tribulation, he and his career at the end found a way to be, in my opinion, the second greatest shooting guard behind Michael Jordan. And also battled for space within my heart as one of the my favorite basketball players of all time. There were times that I forgot Michael Jordan even exists because I was watching Kobe Bryant so hard and so much. And on that tragic day in January of 2020 when he, him and his daughter as well as everyone else in the helicopter perish, I repeat to him, respect to the family, prayer still to the family is that's something you never get over you just i don't even know if you can learn to live with that but that's an everyday thing so respect and a lot of love to everyone who loved him just as much as i did but you realize that he's a great basketball player but he gets lost in the sauce because of his game and on today's episode i like to deep down dive down rather into why this guy in my opinion in my honest, humble opinion, had the greatest opportunity to not only be the next Michael Jordan, and he did it, but actually could have been better than Michael Jordan. Stay tuned. start with um me and kobe came out of high school at the same time he was in philadelphia i was here in detroit but i didn't know much about him until the 96 draft back then the draft came on i think maybe it was tnt at the time it used to be usa and tnt but i believe it was on tnt and when he got drafted he got drafted by the charlotte hornets at the time you know, it was like it was unheard of for a guy to be drafted out of high school at that position. Now, a year prior to that draft, Kevin Garnett went in the top five, but he was a big man. He was like almost seven foot tall if he wasn't seven foot tall. The idea of taking a shooting guard straight out of high school at 17, that was unheard of. But he impressed this legend. Y'all may have heard of him. His name is Jerry West. I'm being sarcastic, of course. But Jerry West saw something in that workout. He saw something that made him make the ultimate decision to give away his centerpiece. And I'm going to say he tricked the Charlotte Hornets and said, hey, let me get that kid. Draft this kid. You can get you can get Lottie. They fell for it. Also, he had another trick up his sleeve. He also signed Shaquille O'Neal that summer. So when Kobe first got to L.A., he went to a contender. A team that was built to be 
maybe a dynasty at some point. And they were. We'll get to that. Now, mind you, when he gets to that team, who's on that team besides Shaq? Nick DeQuick, Eddie Jones, Byron Scott has come back for his farewell tour for the Lakers because they drafted him. Sergio Sabalos, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Robert Ory eventually came to the squad. Uh, there was a lot. As Eldon Campbell, you had a lot of talent on that team when he got there. So the idea that a 17-year-old kid joins the NBA and barely can get off the bench is the guy who takes the biggest shot in the biggest game in the playoffs in 97. And for me, it opened my eyes to let me know that you can do just about anything. He's following his dream. He wanted to play against Michael Jordan. He wanted to play against the best. But that's a hard, that's a hard thought to just think, I'm just going to jump from high school and go straight to a grown man league. Mind you, at the time, the NBA is a grown man league. Let me say that again. Grown man league. And this 17-year-old kid is raw, but he's got all the potential. He's got all of the skills. And you may say to yourself, how is this kid so polished to be 17? going on 18. How is that possible? That's easy. His daddy was an NBA player. The daddy played professionally overseas. You've heard of him, Joe Jellybean Bryant. So, we're talking about a guy who took his family overseas. He learned Italian, which I'm talking about Kobe. He was in isolation for the most part. His grandfather used to send him tapes. Of course, most people know that. I'm just, at this point, I'm just recapping some of the things that I had to learn throughout the process of me figuring out this kid. And when he got in the game, it just seemed like, yo, he, if he ever put it together, he's going to be very, very dangerous. Now, just imagine you as a kid, you grew up in Italy for most of your life, then you move back to the United States, and it's a huge culture shock. He adjusted because he had basketball. He loved basketball so much that he went around and had a kill list when he was in high school. That's the beauty about being great as you are because people can reminisce and see the tracks as you were coming up. Let's get back to Utah real quick. He takes these shots and they're all air balls. The Lakers lose the series. But you had to ask yourself in that one one moment, and I'm going to be honest, why was he the only one with the guts to take those shots? Because I've seen Nick Van Essel make clutch shots. I thought Eddie, Eddie Jones had the skills to pay the MF bills. Byron Scott, I, I, he may have been on injured reserve. I don't remember, but you had a lot of guys who are veteran players that could have taken those shots besides Kobe. But he was the one that took those shots. And when it was all said and done, you saw ML Carl walk up to him. You saw Shaq put his arm around him and say, hey, when you take those shots, people are going to be scared of you. They're not going to be laughing at you. They're going to be scared of you. This guy was so competitive. He worked on his game. He said that in the documentary series of The Muse. 
I went and shot. I found a gym. I shot and I shot and I shot. Next year, not only was he better, he was an all-star. A starter. Didn't even start for his own team. But see, back then, I didn't have cable. I didn't have access to the internet like I do now. So a lot of things that were going on or the chatter, you didn't really know unless you were in Los Angeles. But there was a moment where you could feel the hate from his teammates. They didn't like the fact that he wanted to shine. They didn't like the fact that he wanted to be on the court at the expense of their time. So the fact that he made to the All-Star game, he was voted in and he started. He was going against the King at that time, which was Michael Jordan. You couldn't even, you, you couldn't even, there's no way you can fable what was going on. That All-Star game was a classic. If you haven't seen it, just try to find it. It's probably on YouTube, but you'll see the highlights of Kobe and, and MJ going at each other. And MJ won because he got the MVP, but Kobe stole the show. Kobe let you know that, hey, if Mike does leave, you still going to have me. And that's what I saw through the television of watching that All-Star game. Because the Bulls were eventually going to break up because they had been told all season long this was it. This was their last dance. And we saw it in the documentary as well, being foretold. So looking back on that moment in 1998 when I watched the All-Star game and hearing the commentary by Bob Costas and Isaiah Thomas, I knew that this kid was going to be the guy that I was going to be gravitating to as far as my favorite player to watch in the league. Not just that, but on the video game as well. I've watched Kobe Bryant from a 17-year-old kid to be a grown man when he took his last shot in the NBA. I have to say, throughout his entire career, he has never let me down. He is arguably, in my opinion, the greatest Laker ever. We'll talk about that later on in this episode, why I think he's the greatest Laker ever. But let's get back to the aftermath of that All-Star game. I feel like in that game, in just my opinion, I believe the light bulb went off for him. If he ever gets the opportunity, He's going to change the complexity of the whole league. The league just does not know how good this kid really is. And he's going to show you in more ways that you can ever imagine. Could you imagine being 18 years old, going on 19, and you're about, you're 19, you're going on 20, and you're about to be in the greatest game. You're 19 years old, you're in the greatest game of all the best Best players in the league. There's 24 best players in the league. And your head and shoulders above all of them, except maybe one. And the one that I'm speaking of, he's giving you the ultimate respect because he told you how to shoot his turnaround jump shot. Yes, people, there was a game earlier that season where Kobe and Mike went at it in Chicago. And it was basically, you know what? You're going to learn today. Now, this is not the first time they played. This is probably the second time they played in Chicago. The first game, you know, Kobe was basically learning on the, learning that, oh, he really is that fast. He really is what everyone says he is. But I'm not scared. I'm going right at him. 
you've heard him say in interviews. Oh, uh, you don't. People say, oh, you don't want to do that, man. Black cat or black Jesus. He's like, what? His name is Mike. I'm calling him Mike. I'm paraphrasing. Kobe was not afraid of Michael Jordan. He was the only one that felt that he could actually go toe to toe, blow for blow, and actually beat Michael Jordan. And at that point in time, we all used to laugh like, that's crazy. He ain't gonna be able to do that. But if you fast forward, he wasn't scared. He was never scared. So after that game, I feel like between that game in Chicago and the All-Star game, yeah, this kid's ready. This kid's for real. And what ended up happening next blew everyone's mind except mine. And that is the NBA Finals, that moment in Indiana, coming up next. Is 1999. It's a weird year because the NBA was on strike. So they didn't play 82 games that season. They only played 50. Michael Jordan retired. The Bulls were done. So Jerry Krause got his wish. 98 was the last dance. Bill Jackson went to his cabin in Montana on a hiatus. And the Lakers went on his business as usual. But not for all Lakers. Because see, Jerry West made the unceremonious thing by trading Eddie Jones away so Kobe Bryant could start. But, don't worry. In exchange, he got Glenn Rice. So, that year in 99, the Lakers were kind of like a little up and down, but they still finished the season 31-19. and Dale Harris was fired first beginning of the season. Dennis Robin played for a little while until they got rid of him. They still made it to the playoffs until the second round until they got swept by the Spurs. The Spurs went on to win the championship that year, but what was significant, that was the last series played in the Western, the Great Western Forum. That building had a lot of history. All the championships. Magic, Kareem, Worthy, Showtime Lakers. The building was hoping to have another one, but unfortunately, that was yet to be. They moved into a new arena downtown, Staples Center. Kobe Bryant now officially a starter and a new coach few new teammates, a new system. In the beginning, it was difficult for him to get the grasp of the triangle. But this is one of the traits that made him so special. He did not mind humbling himself, asking questions. I had mentioned before, he asked the GOAT himself, how do you shoot your turnaround? And of course, he did ask him about the triangle. Throughout this whole episode, if you want to get one thing straight, let's get it straight right now before we go any further. My guy did not have a problem asking questions on how to do anything. And when a person who knows they're good and they want to be great, they can humble themselves and they can go ahead and make those decisions to ask the, the, the veterans, the guys who are at the top of their game, like, how do you do this? How do you play defense? How do you do that? How do you slip the... All you can do is add to your game. So in 2000, the Lakers were pretty much unstoppable. And except 
they ran into a team called the Portland Trailblazers. Now, this is a team that was deep with superstars. We're talking about Rasheed Wallace. We're talking about Scottie Pippen. We're talking about uh, Derek Anderson and so on and so on. Greg Anthony, uh, the Plastic Man, Steve Smith, uh, Bonzi Wells. But the Lakers still end up winning the series, but it took an epic, when I say epic, I mean epic fourth quarter. They were down 15. They came all the way back and got to the finals. That Blazers team was never the same after that epic collapse. It just wasn't. In the finals, what can we say? Too much Shaquille O'Neal. I'm not going to say what his numbers were, but he was that dominant. He was, it was his time. But it took a young kid in game four when the series could have went 2-2 instead of 3-1. See, in game two, Kobe Bryant sprained his ankle. Everything was cool in game one, but game two, sprained his ankle. Thank you, Jalen Rose. Detroit's finest. So there was no Kobe in game three, and the Pacers drew within the game. They made the series. It was 2-1. With the potential of tying everything up, Kobe Wynn got treatment. You can see the footage. Shaq carrying him for treatment. Shaq carrying him back on his back to the bus. Kobe played in game four. He had a great second half. More importantly, he showed you why Jerry West has so much confidence in him. Shaq fought out in overtime. Kobe carried the Lakers the rest of the way. Even to a point in one moment of the game, he gave the relaxed, pat down thing like, hey, just relax. I got this. And of course, Bob Costa says the most incredible thing that always goes through my mind when I see that, see that game on NBA TV. How about this kid? By the end of the game, the Lakers are up 3-1. They close it out in game six, and guess what? Kobe's got his first championship. You would think it'd be time to celebrate, go have fun, go to the parties. But this one made him so great and so cerebral. He's like, nah, I want more. While Shaq went partied and finally got that championship monkey off his back from Orlando and all the sweets and everything else, Kobe, excuse me, Kobe went and worked. That's all he did was work. Work, 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 work. So when the season started, he wanted to go out and tell everybody, hey, I'm ready to kill everybody. Shaq, I'm just going to round in the shake. That second year, it's a little hectic. Because Kobe felt like, hey, I'm at the best of my game. Everything should come through me. Shaq was like, you know what? We're struggling right now because the ball ain't coming to me. When the ball was coming through me, we was doing everything. The city was jumping and everything. This was the beginning of the cracks in the foundation of this great Laker dynasty before it even got off the ground. But they found a way to get it together, and they ran through that playoffs in 01. When I say ran, they ran through it. They swept everybody. When they got to the finals, they were 11-0. Let me say that one more time. 11-0. The last time the Lakers were 11-0 was in 1989, but the Pistons swept them out. This was a different Laker team. This team had Shaq in his prime, Kobe nowhere near his prime, but playing like he was a prime veteran player. And oh yeah, those same Spurs that swept them out of the Great Western form, they got ran off the floor in Game 3 and 4, respectively, by 39 in Game 3 and by 29 in Game 4. So the finals, 
in Kobe's hometown in Philadelphia. They dropped game one. They had potentially be the first team in NBA history to sweep through the playoffs. Just missed it by a game. But they, they won the next four. And of course, Kobe became the ultimate villain in his hometown. See, that's another thing about my boy that I love. He didn't matter where he went. He didn't matter how much you hate him. It never fazed him. So now he has two rings, back to back. Now, let's go for something that not too many people can do. Let's go for the separator. Let's go for three. I don't think I can make it three. Yeah, we can make it three. The Lakers got to the finals once again. But this time they had to go against an old familiar foe, a team they pretty much just mollywhopped the year before in Sacramento. But see, Sacramento was different this time. They had Mike Bibby running point. They shared the ball. Chris Webber was prime. Lottie DeVos was prime. Doug Christie was all defense. And Hato Turkoglu was coming to his own. Page was a little hurt, but he was coming back. They were ready. They had the eye of the tiger. But they didn't have it in game one. Kobe just looked at him and everybody else said, this is the challenge. This is what we, this is what we gotta go through. Sacramento responded. It took a, a Herculean effort in game six to get it back to a game seven. And of course, the game six will always be in controversy because of all the fouls that were called. They felt like they were tilting everything in the Lakers' favor. You may believe that, and you have your right to believe that because the Lakers took a lot of foul shots. And oh yeah, let's not forget about the miracle in game four, Robert Ory. It's not a miracle because the dude makes those shots all the time. So to recap, the Lakers won game one, Sacramento won game two, blew them out in game three. In game four, they had them, but Robert Ory made the shot. Game five, an illegal pick by Chris Webber, put Sacramento up three games to two. According to a lot of people, the refs made a lot of good calls in Lakers' favor, so we have a game seven in Arco Arena. Once again, my boy was ready to be in the fire. Overtime. You know what? It's not about who's got the best players, who's got the most complete team. It's about who's got the best matchup. Shaq had the best matchup. He went to work. The Lakers are in the finals. Again, Sacramento has to go home with their heart broken. But hey, it's always next year, right? Doesn't matter. The Lakers are going to make history. And they do. We're not even going to mention the finals against New Jersey because it wasn't even close. It was a sweep. And Shaq once again dominated. He won his third straight championship, third straight MVP for Kobe, three championships for the age of 24. He had already won an all-star game MVP in his hometown. He was becoming that elite guard that was going to be practically carrying the NBA for years to come. But who knew in the next few years that everything would change? 2003 was a bad year for the Lakers. Shaq was hurt. Kobe had to carry the load because he was built to do it. And he did. I'm not going to bore you with details, but my boy went on a good shooting, a good scoring spree, including the most famous dunk over Yao Ming wearing the Jordan 3s. And oh yeah, that's also the year that Jordan told him that statement. You can wear the shoes, but you'll never fill them. Guess what? Gave him 55 points and told him, hey, enjoy retirement. It's my league now. In that moment, it was a patch torch moment. Unfortunately for the Lakers, they didn't make it to the finals. 
They got beaten by serious Tim Duncan. See, the pattern is going to be Tim Duncan and Kobe and them will always fight each other to get out the West. Right now, it was Tim Duncan's turn. The following year, the Lakers decided to go, you know, we're going to go Olympic mode. We're going to bring some veterans in. We're going to go for it. We just are because everyone, everyone's leaving next year. It's contract year. But before we can get to the year 2004, Kobe Bryant got into a little bit of a sticky situation. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but I remember where I was when the people in Colorado decided to prosecute him. I was in Texas. My heart went all the way down to my stomach. Like, wow, I can't believe they're actually going to do this. So that 04 season was special. Not because of the Lakers making one last gas for a championship. It was special because you saw this man focus on trying to preserve his life and play the game that he loved. And that's when it officially became the Black Mamba Show. Of course, the Lakers find a way to get back to the finals. And I'm watching all of this. I'm watching all of this, and it's, it's fueling me to say this guy who's been through so much trauma can focus and continue to move forward. Why can't I? The Lakers make it back to the finals, but it wasn't competitive. If you'd have told everybody in the beginning that the Pistons were winning five games, I'd have told you you was on crack. You was on something, crystal meth, whatever. But like they said, a straight flush beats two aces or whatever, however they wanted to put it. Sad part is, is that my family ridiculed me for taking the Lakers. But why would you think otherwise? Kobe's my guy. Even on the game, I told you earlier, I play with Kobe. He was that dude. He was, I told you, you made me forget about MJ for a while. But that was the end of that Laker dynasty. Little did we all know that things were going to change. Little did we know that there was going to be an island of destiny, a destitute correction, and he was going to be in the abyss for a while. Because see, after that year, Kobe Bryant was now going to be on his own. Like Patty LaBelle said, you're on your own. Let's see what he does in the next chapter of 8 verses 24. Kobe Bryant ends up staying in Los Angeles. He was a free agent. He wasn't going anywhere. But the Lakers traded Shaq, which inevitably ended the Laker dynasty. They won three championships in, what, four years? Everyone felt like they could have won more. We all believe they should have won more. But because of the players that they were, they got what they could get out of that partnership. It was time for Kobe to form his own legacy be the leader of a starting team of his own. In the end, 05 was very disappointing. Not even worth really talking about. But he did have a couple of highlights, and one of them was Christmas Day going against Shaq. Tried to dunk on him. Shaq wasn't having none of that. Shaq eventually fouled out, but his team ended up getting the victory. For Kobe, it was a long season. He ended up getting hurt, and they ended up shutting it down. 
But guess what? There's always next year. And this guy trains like no other. He comes back in 06, but he has a little help. Phil Jackson comes back. They have an incredible season. They go 45 and 37. But Kobe does a few spectacular things that season. Two of them that stand out. Scored 62 points in three quarters. Outscoring the Dallas Mavericks by a point by himself. Then he does the ultimate in January by scoring 81. That's right, 8-1. I remember that night like it was yesterday. Coming home from work, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, he scored 81 points? Nah, that's a typo. Maybe that meant 18. Nah, he scored 81. And I said to myself, man, that's the MVP. He's got to be the MVP. I mean, between him, Shaq, it's got to be. It's got to be. Nope. They gave it to Steve Nash in 06. Hmm. Interesting. It was even more interesting. They faced each other in the playoffs. Game one, Kobe only put up 22 points, five assists. The Lakers lose by five. Game two, Kobe has 29, 10 rebounds, five assists. They win by six. The Lakers win game three. Swiss Parker was the leading rebounder, main leading scorer, and Kobe has seven assists. Game four, this is the game. This is the game. See, they were behind. And the Suns were going to go back to Phoenix tied up 2-2 until Smush Parker stole the ball. Kobe got the layup. They ended up going to overtime. And in overtime, on a jump ball possession, game on the line, Kobe made the game-winning shot. Unfortunately, that was the last game the Lakers won in that series. Phoenix came back and took over the series. Roger Bell was suspended in game six because of his actions in game five by doing a UFC almost hug move on Kobe in Phoenix. But that series will always be remembered as the game seven Kobe Bryant wouldn't shoot game because his team was behind and he still wouldn't shoot the ball. Charles Barkley called him selfish. The following week, he came on TNT and explained why he didn't take the shot. And of course, there were other exchanges. He called them MFR and said, F you, Charles, and you don't know what's going on. Watch the Up the Smoke interview with Charles Barkley. He talks about it. It's pretty funny. 07, same result. They face Phoenix again in the first round, and they get put out. Now the frustration has boiled over. I cannot continue to do all the Herculean feet, and we keep going on in the first round. Shaq then won the championship. I feel like I'm going nowhere. He even told Stephen A. Smith, I got to get out of here. I'm just paraphrasing. I got to get out of here. I'd rather play on Pluto than play here. This was before the 2008 season even even got underway pretty good. Management and everyone else kept Kobe calm. They started off pretty good. And then the heist happened. They found a way to get Paul Gasol. They became title contenders. Oh, yeah. Kobe finally got that elusive regular season MVP. 
what a magical moment cried a little bit because my boy finally getting recognized for his greatness he goes against a familiar foe hey they just won the championship last year they not going back to back don't worry about it we'll take care of them and Kobe did the Spurs didn't make it back to the finals but he did but guess what guess who awaited him the Boston Celtics now before I go any further there was also another big change in Kobe's life he had changed jerseys see I didn't talk about 2007 because it was the same result he lost in the first round but he did change jerseys he went from 8 to 24 and in his words it was a new beginning maturity I'm on a different mindset. I'm just paraphrasing. But Kevin Garnett said it was basically to shit on people and to say he was one better than Mike. I could believe that because after all, Mike was his muse. He used Mike as the base to build his game upon. And Lord, did he build his game upon it. Well, let's fast forward back to the finals real quick, shall we? The Lakers meet a familiar foe. Their all-time rival, Boston Celtics. See, the Celtics ain't been to the finals since 1987. They haven't won it since 1986. So something has to give. And guess what? It did. Despite the Lakers being a very formidable foe, there is a picture out there where Kobe is talking ish to Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Rondo in the background. And Garnett tells him, hey, you by yourself. And Kobe looks to his left and looks to his right. Now, he may think otherwise, hey, you're right. But knowing him, so I beat all of y'all. I can take all y'all down. Unfortunately, Kobe goes down in game six. By then, a record margin. Of course, he's pissed. Of course, he's beyond upset. But for him, he gets to take that frustration out in the summer at the Olympics. See, he was recruited to come play on the Redeem team, be a part of that dynamics. So he goes from basically losing the finals, starting over, finally getting the recognition of being one of the best players in the league, losing the championship, and now he goes to the Olympics to bring American basketball back to where it needs to be. Number one, mission accomplished. There's a documentary about that, and you can go watch that, and I'll even give you my review on that in another episode. But winning a gold medal relit that fire that he needed for 2009 and 2010. See, both those years, Kobe was playing incredible basketball. 2009 gets back to the finals again. The hype train is on an all-time high. Because from 2000, let's say 2008 up to 2012, we've been hyping up having a LeBron and Kobe finals. Even the puppets got involved. They even had puppets to to illustrate this. 2009 seemed inevitable that these two guys were going to meet. Even the two regular season games were epic. Unfortunately, Kobe got to the finals. LeBron didn't. Kobe had to take on Orlando. Wasn't even close. They won one game, but I think they just did that just to make sure there was still a little basketball to be played that summer. 
Lakers winning five. Kobe finally captures his first ring without Shaq. It's emotional. It's great. He has his kids there. He has his wife there. They're celebrating. He wins finals MVP for the first time in his career. He's asked about it. He keeps very hum and very low-key about it, but I'm ecstatic for him. I'm I'm at a point, I'm looking for that T-shirt that's got his puppet handprint on the shirt so I can get that shirt. 2010, same thing. He comes out, he he hits buzzer beater after buzzer beater after buzzer beater. He's basically showing you why he's one of the most clutch players in the world. And oh yeah, that season he has a new he has a new uh, running buddy, Ron Artest. Leonard becoming Metal World Peace. They go through the playoffs. They get back to the finals. Once again, no LeBron. LeBron gets put out by the Boston Celtics. But LeBron makes a decision that we all pretty much hate him for. Well, some of us hate him for. Just the, the city of Cleveland did. But we can't worry about that right now. Kobe's in the finals. He's got a shot at redemption. He sees the Boston Celtics. For the first time in Phil Jackson's career, the finals go seven games with him as head coach. The Lakers win. I don't have time to go back with the Evans and flow of how great that rivalry is. You can just watch it yourself. But it was nerve-wracking watching that game seven. My guy was a nerve-wracking. First of all, my TV was not working properly, so I had to watch it on like a, a 10-inch television, 10-inch flat screen. And each possession was like nail-biting. Kobe did not have a great game at all, scoring-wise. It seemed like he scored all his best points in Game 6 and they blew Boston out. But Game 7 was a straight-up dogfight the way you wanted. All the old times would have loved to play in that type of game. It came down to who had who wanted it most. The Lakers had enough, and he finally got that supporting cast to give him that that most until he could pull it out at the end. In the end, I just will ever have an image of him grabbing that ball, dribbling it up the court with a beehive on his finger because he had a broken finger. Said he had burns, he had burn screws in his foot to win that championship. Him jumping on that table like MJ putting up five putting that big old hat on his head, covering up half his face. All the emotion on the floor, beating them, knowing how important it is to win in this rivalry. You don't want to be the guy to lose in this rivalry. He wins his second Bill Russell Finals MVP. He lets all the emotion out. It's the sweetest one because it's against them. Everyone knows about this rivalry. You don't want to lose in this rivalry. But also, there's something else. Post-game, he's asked, again, about what does this ring mean to you when it comes to Shaq? And he basically said, hey, it just means I got one more than Shaq. You can, you can take that to the bank. He didn't want to say anything the year prior because they both had four rings. But the mere fact that he got one more and he knew Shaq couldn't win another one, he finally got his vindication. Because, see, if you don't know, Kobe was always considered the bad guy in this whole scenario, chasing Shaq out of town and you're only as good because you're playing with Shaq. You may have heard this earlier in the episode, but I'm going to repeat it again, again now. This guy was just unstoppable at this moment. But... 
Just like there's a high, there's a collapse. The next season, they get beat badly by the Dallas Mavericks. In 2012, they lose again against the Oklahoma City Thunder. It seems like Kobe's not going to get ring number six, but he keeps trying. By this time, LeBron has ascended to being the best player because now he's on the Miami Heat. So the idea of having a Kobe and LeBron final has ended. They give us one little glimpse in the All-Star game and they play together on the Olympic team, but Kobe doesn't get back to the finals. If anything, in 2013, he tears his Achilles after he was driving that team to get to the playoffs. And oh yeah, they did bring Dwight Howard in, but once again, it was like, it, at some point you got to say to yourself, this, this is this is not going to end well for my boy. As much as he tried, as much as he fought, he fought to the end. One last big glimmer thing for number 24, he did surpass Michael Jordan. So in the end, Kobe Bryant finishes his Laker career on a high note. He does finish with 60 points in his final game at the Staples Center. I cried because I knew it was over. And I knew it was over when he said that he didn't want to do it anymore. And everywhere he went, it was like a farewell tour. I know some of the players were jealous. I know some of the people were haters. But you know what? That's how my boy's supposed to go out. He killed all y'all for years, and now you just pay him the ultimate respect. Retirement. What a wonderful feeling. Now we're going to say which version of Kobe was better, 8 or 24. recap we talked about a lot of things in this episode we talked about him coming into the league we talked about him at the all-star game his first run with Shaq in three championships his second prime with him being the lead in the new supporting cast winning back-to-back championships now let's kind of bring this home and choose which version of him was the best Now, I would say the 2006 Kobe was arguably the best he's ever played. Uh, He went out there and pretty much was putting up 40 points a game, 50 points a game. You know, he scored 62 and three quarters. He put up 81. In my opinion, he should have been MVP. That version of him, to me, was the absolute best as far as a score, being a a dynamic two-way player. Um, he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year, but he probably should have. Um, he was just that deadly that year. But he did switch numbers. And if you were to look at each one, they both were very unique. But you got to look at the characteristics of each, each one. Eight was very methodical. Very energetic. Um, he was athletic. Uh, his mindset was to put you in the rim. He would just win at you all day, every day, nonstop. Um, he was just, it was almost like he, he was out there trying to prove something. 24 was different. 24 was mature. Mature had a round, a round away game. 
it was more than just going to the rim and dunking. He, he would post you. He would fade you. The Elijah Wan shake. The dirt and whiskey knee. The hesitation, Tracy McGrady dribble. And in 24, he also saw more fanfare. He rebuilt his image. He got a lot of accolades. So if I had to choose which one I would prefer, it would be 24. Just think about this for a second. A lot of players that have played this game cannot necessarily say they've had two Hall of Fame careers. You've heard this before, before his jerseys got retired. He was asked, which one would you prefer we would which one would you prefer we retire? Eight or 24? He said to him it didn't matter. But whichever one they did, it would be hard for the other one to wear because of who wore it before them. It was fitting that both his jerseys got retired. It's fitting that they're putting a statue in front of the arena that he played and called home for 20 years. But not to get too carried away, but 24, 24 was the man. Eight was a kid becoming a man. Eight was the guy, once again, that played with Shaq, was isolated, was created into obscurity, but the one language he spoke that everyone else could relate to was he was a great basketball player. He was a basketball savant. 24, he took those lessons and became an even better player, a better teammate, a leader. The number 24 also represents a different change. He also finally understood what it was like for Shaq to probably be the leader of a team, be responsible for leading these men to a championship. And I think he relished that even more than what he did when he was earlier when he first came into the league. So if you really think about it, Kobe made his bones with eight. He made his legacy with 24. If you don't believe me, just look at the accolades he got at 24. With wearing the number 24. Two championships. Winning the finals MVP for the first time. Two times. Won his first regular season MVP. Wearing the number 24. Got two gold medals. And he still was a defensive player. All to first team. And what's even more incredible. He scored. 16,866 points wearing number 8. He scored 16,717 points wearing number 24. Now, if you do the math, and I'm looking at it right now, it's only 149 points that separates the two numbers. He played lesser games at 24 because, you know, toward the end he was getting hurt. But it's just a point. He won two scoring titles, one with eight, one with 24. I just think he's probably one of the most unique players that the NBA has ever saw. And you can't tell the story of the league without talking about him. So I know they're putting a statue. I mentioned this before. They're putting a statue out front. I just feel like I hope that they're putting a statue of him guarding himself. And it almost like he's looking in the mirror of what he started and what he became. In the end, when he retired, he was the third all-time leading scorer. He had passed Jordan. He may not have passed him in rings, 
but he passed him in points. Passed him in all-star appearances. In the end, Kobe Bryant's tally is, of course, five championships, two finals MVPs, one regular season MVP. He was an 18-time all-star, four-time all-star game MVP in 02, 07, 09, and 2011. He's a 15-time member of the All-NBA team with 11 first teams, two second teams, and two third teams. 12-time All-Defensive team, nine-time first team, three-time second team. Slam dunk champion 97, All-NBA rookie second team 97. When it's all said and done, Kobe Bryant, in my opinion, is the greatest Laker. I know a lot of people would say it's magic. Or you may even say Kareem, you may even say Wilt. But to me, it's Kobe Bryant because he played 20 years. Even though toward the end, it was a little shaky a little bit. His body kind of felt him. But for 20 years, he pretty much carried the whole city on his back. He went through a renaissance that Magic never could go through. Yes, Magic took a step down because of, you know, what happened in 1991. You can Google that. But I don't think Magic had the opportunity. He didn't have the opportunity to see if he could win without Kareem. Kobe showed he could win without Shaq. As difficult as most people want to always throw stones at these players, you have to realize something. It's easy to win. But it's hard to get back to the top of the mountain when you have to start from scratch. And he did. Yeah, a couple people came back to help, but he still had to be the driving force to get them back to the mountaintop. See, to me, I think that's one of the things that most people miss. I didn't miss it. Because what it told me was when you're determined about anything, you're supposed to go after it. You're supposed to put your all into it and whatever happens happens you may not be able to pick the result that you want but you can live with the effort in which you put in that's what I learned from Kobe Bryant so the fact that he's no longer on this earth it does bother me more than most people it would but unfortunately There's nothing we can do about that. His second life was going to be incredible. He was going to be probably bigger than he was in basketball, if that was even possible. But to his family, he was already bigger than basketball. So I still send prayers and love out to the family. I know you guys are dealing with it every day. His friends, his family. We all are. But especially y'all. And my hat go off to you as y'all continue to live y'all lives without this incredible person, this incredible daughter, and everybody else who passed away on that helicopter as well.
wrap up this episode, I would just want to say thank you to Kobe Bryant for being the inspiration. Thank you for always going out there hard in the paint to show us what it's like to put mind over matter. He's played with injuries. He's won championships when he wasn't at 100%. And then he was about to do something even more breathtaking. He won an Oscar. He was writing children's books. He was basically giving back to the culture that bred him. Yeah, he was going to help put the WNBA or women's basketball where it needed to be. But maybe, just maybe, if we all just get a little bit more of mama mentality, maybe this is, our society would be a tad bit better if everyone decided to just do their absolute best in something in a positive way to change this world. This place would be a whole lot better. That's what I'm going to do moving forward. But at the same time, I will say that in retrospect, Kobe should be mentioned with the greats. That's why I got him in my top five. He should be mentioned in the GOAT conversation, even though I got MJ as my as the GOAT. But he shouldn't be slighted. I understand that everyone likes LeBron, they like his game, but Kobe's right there. And you can go accolades, and you can go whatever your criteria is. But what does your eyes tell you? I know a lot of y'all will say he's a poor man's Jordan, and I beg to differ. He used Jordan's game as the foundation to build upon his own. Isn't that what all great players do? Don't they always take something from somewhere and make it their own? They patent it? If you really want to sit there and be frank with it, I believe Kobe Bryant is the most skilled basketball player that's ever lived. Hmm. I believe that's facts. I know some of you will say, well, LeBron could do everything. Eh, couldn't do everything Kobe did. But that's another show. In the end, Kobe Bryant is, in my opinion, in that conversation. Whether you want to put him a distant third of the bridge between the two of them. In the end, Mamba will love you forever. You'll live in our hearts. So as this episode comes to a close, I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate those who have subscribed. And if you like what I'm listening to, please subscribe. Also, if you have questions or comments, please leave them and I will get back with you and and listen to what you have to say. That's the only way we can get better with doing this podcast. So I'm Karan. This has been Lunch Table Talk. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.